Welcome to the Underhand Free Throw. It's a basketball podcast with Ian and Simon. I'm Ian. And I'm Simon. And in this show, we are going to be talking about all-star picks because star voting is open and it closes in less than a month. And we generally get these uploaded a few days after we record. So, I mean, now is the time if we're going to do it. Yeah, we can we can get it out the night All Star um, the All Star game is showing, and you can you can you can listen to our podcast while watching the extremely boring All Star game and be like, huh, their picks were wrong. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> well, they they probably will be wrong. Yeah, especially some of the like the wild card. Like, who knows? You know, that's just that's so variable. I feel like. Do you like? Yeah. Do you have? Is there big disappointments for you every year, or like, are you generally surprised by people who get in? Yeah, I think it is with the wild card spots here, right? I'm, I'm one of those people that has I have like 15 snubs. You know, they all deserve to be on. 15 snubs. No, yeah. I mean, there's it's hard to pick the 12 best players, 12 guys in a conference having the best season. Invariably, you're going to get the 13th best guys of the 12th best guys sometimes, and I think that's okay. Yeah, there's I I always have at least one of one of those or just sort of like a player that kind of snuck in that I was like we're gonna regret this in a couple of years. We should all like I feel I feel like I wish voters would consider a little bit more like which what picks are going to look stupid in in hindsight years later sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, did we really need to? I, I don't. Well, wanna, we understand. I don't rag we understand. Hard, it's, but... it's not just about basketball skill. There's like popularity that goes into it as well. Yeah, I mean, the fan vote is always going to... Whenever I read the fan vote, I'm always super disappointed. It's more when the reserves... or I mean, I don't really care about the fan vote. That's always going to be this, like, mercurial popularity contest. But sometimes with media and coach picks and then, like, you know, reserves and all the play, and the player picks being the worst of all of them, like, somehow even just, like, the broad NBA fan base picks them better than the players do. Well, Anytime, I mean, like, there's, there's like, personal relationships that go into that. Like, it, at least the exactly. fans, they don't really, like, know these guys personally, whereas the players yeah. have friends. Anytime there's any debate on a player's legacy and people use, like, the opinions of their peers as evidence of how good, how one player is better than another, I just always want to point to NBA player all-star picks. Like, just go back and look at those and realize how embarrassing they are before you're just, like, you know, this player's better than this player because this player said so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Ian's really just trying to illustrate here, like, the nepotism that's involved in selecting the second wild card spot on the NBA All-Star team is just out of control and needs to be uh, restrained somewhat. I'm honestly, like, I'm I'm in, a, I'm in, like, a rec league right now where there is awards at the end and they're voted on by the players. So I've literally, you know, like, have recent experience with filling out a ballot for my peers and I'm shocked to find out how biased I am. Like, if I like know that I'm kind of like neck and neck with someone else for a specific award and I feel like they're the most deserving player, I don't vote for them. Exactly. You vote for your buddies like, and you don't vote for the people that you're directly competing with. The other thing I'll do, I've noticed, and this is what I think players in the NBA do the most, is like when it comes to an award like a defensive player of the year or something like that, mm. I always pick the player who guards me the best, not the right. one who has the best defensive impact. I'm like, in fact, like that guy who wins, I'm like, well, he doesn't guard me very well, so he's trash. Like yeah. that's, And I'm like, oh, that's exactly how NBA players would feel about it because that's the normal way. But that's also why you know, people who are that far in it are, are bad analysts. Do you want to go through East or West starters first? Steelers choice. You got one that you're more interested in approaching with Well, I have energy? my I have my West pick set already. The East, there's still All a right. couple that I'm deliberating on, and I'm I guess we're just gonna do this live. So Well, you know, I'm deliberating more on the West 
but let's let's definitely let's definitely start there. I wonder. Okay. I I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess we're gonna have at least. I'm gonna guess we have the same four of the five starters. I think there's a chance we differ on the fifth one. Who are your West Western Conference backcourt starters? I think this was the easiest group out of all of them to decide. For me, it's Luca and Shea. Yeah, I don't really think there's anything to discuss there. They are both like MVP, having MVP level seasons. Like these, these two guys are monsters. Like they're they're the two players in the discussion for who is the best guard in the world right now. And I think after that, everyone is trying to catch them. They're the two players um, who are having just like the most ridiculous offensive seasons right now. So yeah. And just unstoppable for defenses like Shea's ability to like Shea does it, you know, more with like, you know, like shiftiness and change of, of change of pace and really resilient shot making and, and the ability to get a first step with everyone where Luca yeah. does it more with his like powerful strength and then his playmaking on top of that. But they're yeah. just such incredible guards. I mean, Luca has, having... has a nice change of pace game, too, though. I mean, they're both like the best like D D accelerators yeah. in the NBA. It's more they do it a little bit differently. Like Shy Shay gets by you, then when you're recovering, he counters. Yeah. Uh, where Luca puts his shoulder into you, and when he gets you off rhythm, then that's he, when he changes yeah. the pace. It's like a it's like the same thing done with a different style. Yeah, I mean that that was easy. I'm assuming you have the same. I have the same. So let's get into the front court players. I think it's yeah. possible that we have the same. I think there's one that's really easy. I yep. assume that Nikola Jokic has has made your Western Conference All-Star team. <laughs> recent has. recent recent Nikola Jokic games has him shooting like 83% from the field and 60% on threes and 90% from the line. Just like when I made this argument in like MVP discourse last year, it's like we're really overthinking this, everyone. Nikola Jokic does not miss shots very often. And like I'm 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 all into the nuance of basketball, but at the end of the day, when you just shoot a lot and almost never miss, it's very hard to be more productive than that. And that is what Nikola Jokic does without even talking about his like tr- like you know transcendent all-time great playmaking chops. So Nikola Jokic is also the easiest person to slot in to almost any position in this discourse. Who are your other two starters? Unless you have any Nikola Jokic thoughts. Like, it's pretty boring how good he is. Yeah, I mean, kind of another MVP quality year. Well, I mean, another a couple of people are in front of him probably at this point. But yeah, I mean, the Nuggets are, are still really, really good when he's on the floor. I didn't I didn't have anything I don't have anything to say that you haven't heard already when it comes to Jokic. My second guy I had to go with Kevin Durant. I think despite I also have Kevin Durant. despite the Suns disappointing overall season, he's been really good for the most part. Yeah, yeah I just I just think you know, his his numbers are again ridiculous. He's super important defensively for the Suns, which is concerning for them but yeah i mean they yeah. just they just need kd to be on the floor at all times to even be like competitive despite having two other former all-star players on the roster so oh former as a spoiler alert for devin booker i'm assuming you don't have bradley beal on your all-star team all right all right bradley beal no <laughs> this year no. <laughs> no i'm saying they have been all-stars formerly Bradley Beal did not make my long list. He's not someone who I, you know, generally when someone has like a big name, I'll always I, like Bradley you know, Beal hasn't consider. played enough to be eligible no, for anything. No, a, yeah, yeah, we're we're insulting our own podcast by continuing to talk about him. Who's your other? Who's your other pick? Because I have I have Kevin Durant kind of locked in. Yeah, those were well. my two locks. My third one, I deliberated it 
on quite a bit. I really wanted to reward one of the Clippers guys just because I think Kawhi and Paul George are both having good seasons. But, I mean, their numbers don't necessarily pop off the page. Neither of them are great playmakers. Like, I don't know. I ended up I ended up making the safe choice and kind of, or obvious choice or whatever, and I ended up just going with LeBron here because I think he will be a starter because <laughs> of the fan vote for sure. And it's like, it's between him and AD and the two Clippers guys and, you know, maybe Larry Markin if you want to make that choice. But I just, I just think LeBron is still like the most impactful Lakers player. And even though the Lakers aren't having a necessarily great season, he's having a pretty good individual season. And I, I, I just kind of like caved in be, being like, this is the guy who's going to be the starter no matter what I decide. <laughs> so there we go. We, we can't stop you, LeBron. And, and, and Simon's not going to try. But I am I am putting my feeble resistance against the force of the chosen one down right now. LeBron is not in my starters. Is this just um, like a his defense is too bad sort of argument? No, I think I, I I think like I think it's actually I think it's a really 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 difficult choice between between Kawhi, LeBron, Durant, and Anthony Davis. I yeah. think I think Anthony Davis is getting he's a little bit at a disadvantage because I think people like putting two two forwards on rather than two bigs. I really disagree that LeBron has been their most impactful player. Like I do think that by the numbers, that's a that's a like easily defendable point to make. But yeah. I don't think the like the Lakers offense sucks regardless of it does what but LeBron it sucks does, like, a lot when LeBron is on the bench yeah yeah this is this team is this team is only hanging on by a thread because of their defense their defense is entirely built around Anthony Davis LeBron I don't true. think sucks on defense I think LeBron is a very talented defender who does a lot of really high level things on defense and he has some possessions where it's just like oh my god you're a genius and you're just so hard to score on but there's a lot of things that lebron doesn't do on defense that do hurt the team like he just doesn't cover ground like lebron can't really close out very often he can't make long rotations he does strategically take plays off or you know whatever how much you kind of buy into that narrative i don't really care all i i know that like lebron offers occasional really high level defensive impact and other times there's just things he can't afford to do with any regularity and mm-hmm. i think that does make the lakers sometimes very vulnerable on defense where ad is just like you know belongs somewhere in the defensive player of the year conversation and then he's is no slouch offensively like i, yeah. I just watched him last night stayed up until two in the morning to watch he just like absolutely dominate the Raptors, who are the Jakob Pertle, his post game has been the best it's been maybe in his career so far this season. I, 80's presence is quieter because he's an off-ball player who gets it done on defense and attacks the margins. But he's also the Lakers' only real source of rim pressure. Mm-hmm. LeBron doesn't really collapse a defense anymore. He attacks gaps. If you leave a gap open in your defense, LeBron will find it and hit it. And he will score on a double clutch lefty layup that he never, ever misses. And he will get dunks in transition, but he can't really bend the defense. The only thing that's generating any rim gravity for the Lakers is Anthony Davis just running hard at the rim. It's not great, but it's really all they got at this point. So I think like in terms of invaluableness, I side with AD. I thought long and hard about making AD the other starter I went with Kawhi. Okay. Mostly. <laughs> you you um, baited us right there. 
Yeah, I went with Kawhi Leonard because the Clippers are good and the things the Clippers are really good. Yeah, they've just been like really just punking teams for a while. And you know, while Kawhi is not extremely loud in his presence, like what everything I just said about Nikola Jokic, like Kawhi just doesn't he just goes out there and doesn't miss shots. It's just the he's he's the like one of the easiest, most effective, resilient buckets in the NBA. He is their best or second best defensive player on any given night, even though he doesn't do it like he used to. He doesn't have the same limitations as LeBron, even though he kind of tries. Like, I feel like he'd like to be a LeBron level player, but they need more out of him this year in this regard. Defensive numbers like catch all stuff actually like LeBron the most of this group, but Mm -hmm. I just, I can't really, really reconcile that. I saw that. Kawhi, all of these guys, again, like LeBron, Kawhi, AD, and Durant all look about the same in terms of like you know stats Dur- durant was a little bit ahead of the other three for me like i, I would have durant as as a, a clear first choice and then that that last front course spot i was really deliberating between those guys and i don't have super strong feelings about this like ad or, or Kawhi are also deserving candidates for that last starting spot i just i think i'm a little bit swayed by just like the the fan votes and just i don't you know it's, yeah, it's yeah, fu- yeah it's fun to see a 39 year old player playing at this level I think with Durant, Sorry. he's his numbers are a little bit boosted by the fact that he's playing ridiculous minutes. But he's asked to do um, so much, and he's delivering. Yeah, so. I'm not. I'm not saying that he like. I, I think he deserves credits for playing those minutes. But like his numbers look a little bit like he's actually a little bit behind some of these guys when you when you put them all like whatever you want to do per 36 or rate stats. He's not like yeah. He's averaging. He's also he's on averaging a, a almost, worse team. Yeah. With I mean, super inconsistent lineups that, you know. Yeah. I mean, Booker's played 28 games. Yeah. Beal's obviously been basically a no-show. They built this team the way they wanted, and it was supposed to be the most talented team in the NBA, and they are learning pretty fast that they are wrong. <laughs> but but it's like, you know, what, like the talent level between the Lakers and the uh, Suns, I think, is is very debatable. I think they're just built like one's built to defend. The other one is built to offend and I'm offended. Well, I mean, if, if Beal was completely healthy and playing every night, Phoenix would be more talented. Right. But I mean, part of it is like you're trusting in a guy who's been notoriously, he misses a third of the season every single year and is constantly hurts and takes a while to like really recover and rev back up to speed when he does come back. And then you're supplementing this roster built around this big three of which at least one is very unreliable with a bunch of veteran minimum cast offs that most other teams didn't want. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I had Durant's my starter too. I just think he's, I think I don't actually see a separation between these four. I think like if I read anyone's all-star picks and they had two or three, sorry, of any of these four, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's super reasonable. LeBron's been incredible this year. Well, they wouldn't have three. You got to have Jokic in that starting lineup. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. In there, in this, you're right. In the starters, two of the three in the starters, but all of them are on my team. They're all, and none of them are wild cards. They're all firmly in at the reserve level or starter level. Okay. So I think just to shake things up, we should do the East starters, get all the starters out of the way first. Okay. Yeah. All right. Balance conferences. Okay. Keep keep the stars loaded at the front. I will. I will ask you to start us off here. East starters. Who do you got in your backcourt? Backcourt. So this one is yeah, way way harder than the West one. I switched it up this morning at the last second. I think actually I had, I had. So I've got Halliburton, who who just got injured. It'll be up. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe an injury replacement. Yeah, you can um, you can give your third best guard in case Halliburton isn't back for the All Star game. Well, I because the, the next I had three guys for the, like Halliburton was sort of my lock, and then I considered three guys for one spot. Mm-hmm. I ended up going with Donovan Mitchell. Not the I don't think he's like the sexiest pick, but I like I think people you know we just talked about Memphis and their injury difficulties. The Cavs like have it just as bad they just kind of have more like you know they the Cavs have 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 kept above water because donovan mitchell and jared allen have played beautiful amazing basketball they've been without evan mobley and darius garland and even even when they had those players every single night it was like someone was out it's just been a really awkward difficult season for them and then but you know those players will come back and the Cavs will will fit anyways concentrating more on mitchell I know that like he's with the Cavs difficulties, he's fallen out of favor, but he's just having another monster season at the guard spot. He's still just yep. like one of the best offensive guards in the NBA. There's no real way to slice it, whether you like his games or not. He's that productive yeah. and he's never been bad defensively on the Cavs. Yeah, he's, he's, he's been... like the only guard in the East who isn't a nightmare on defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's that's in a, a unique situation here. Yeah. At least out of all-star even... caliber players. I don't think he's an amazing defender, but when you look at yeah, everyone but he's, else, he's fine, you know, and everyone else is really bad. So everyone else is so. Who's the second best guard Defensive. defender at, out of like out of out of players you considered for a starting spot? Oh, I mean, there's there's no good defenders. Tyrese sucks on defense. Brunson's yeah. horrible. Maxi's horrible. Treon is, Br- is literally Brunson the worst. Is probably <laughs> Brunson's my next. Pick, he's still uh, not good like, on defense he's bad he's bad I, I, I'm, I'm i'm agreeing with you that like it's like illustrated the point that brunson is the second best defensive guard amongst like all-star unless you want to go deeper into the bag but i don't think anyone considered Derek white as an all-star starter oh yeah yeah not as a starter um holiday and um, white are like the two good the defensive guards in the east play on the same team yeah but neither of yeah. them has the numbers because you know they're their team's third fourth or fifth options you know depending on the night so and there really isn't like going down the list like the next best defensive guard i can think it was maybe like cade cunningham i, I just realized in the... hey we're in a unique situation here this is the first time we've we've known each other where i, I don't think you can really pick drew holiday on your all-star team yeah it's true it's you did true. so the last yeah, I... couple of years yeah, yeah. I mean, then Derek White is just firmly having a better season than him on both sides of the basketball. So even yeah. like that, even the case for if you wanted to add like more Celtics to the team, I think Derek White is is ahead in line. So yeah, I mean, Drew still had a really good year, but he's like he's adopted a bit of a grittier, more physical role with the Celtics. Kind of yeah. like he's he's their new Marcus Smart. So he's in there like rebounding and like guarding up positions and mm-hmm. doing the dirty work. Drew's still awesome, but. But uh, yeah, he's yeah. not he's not very high up on my Arsenal list. All right, who are your so I went, yeah, Halliburton and Mitchell are my are my starters. Yeah, I'm boring. I, I had the same two. Injury replacements if Tyrese is out for the All-Star game. You know, probably that's around the time he'll come back, so I don't I don't think he'll play. I would have Brunson. Okay. We can get into our reserves in a second, but let's go over to the for the front court. But there's not really anything to say about this front court, is there? Unless, Unless you know, have maybe. a shocker. I had <laughs> well, uh, you want me to go first? Sure, yeah. Okay. I had Embiid, obviously. Um, oh my gosh, Simon! Why? <laughs> current, I think he's like current MVP favorite. So, 
Seems yeah. like a safe choice. <laughs> I had Giannis having a monster season. And oh, I, my God. I oh had my God, Simon. Jason wow. Tatum, the best player on the best team. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's really any room for, like, you know, I think if you were, like, a big Tatum, even if you were a big Tatum hater, which I know that you're not, you had him pretty high up on your MVP ballot last year. I don't see who that next player is that comes for Jason Tatum's, you know, his head. I think, I think like, fans of their teams would maybe, like, if they want their, if they, you know, like, they oh, there's there. there's some Jalen Brown truthers out there, man. Oh, Jalen Brown, he was like <laughs> not really okay. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. If you want to give all the credit to Jalen Brown, despite all the evidence to the contrary, I'm just then... saying if you go on the the Celtics board on Real and GM, they're, they're... yeah, yeah, they 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 do not give up, and we'll talk about Jalen Brown. But just a quick, quick shout out to like you already MB's a MVP candidate, but what a what a season he's having! Oh my gosh, like I hated the MVP discourse last year. I thought it was. I did not vote for him or think he should have won, but now I'm like, ah, oh, but I might vote for him this year. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's, he's better. So, like, he's, I mean, it's crazy. It's, oh. You don't usually have a guy win an MVP, especially like in Embiid's case, like so much emotion poured into it. Like he wanted it so badly. It felt like he laid it all out there yeah. <laughs> to use and all then, these and cliches. Then, and then he comes back and he's improved. That's definitely not something I was expecting. Well, I thought like between the burnout from the discussion and Embiid's unfortunate like playoff performance, I thought like he was basically disqualified from the league this year. But what do you do? You come back and you basically get better at everything. You're already really good at. You play more consistent defense and you add a whole new dimension to your game. Like Embiid on the move is just so unfair compared as like static Embiid. Embiid getting like post-ups and, and elbow isos was already unfair. And now just like, well, now Nick Nurse has him like, like oscillating between dribble handoffs and just like yeah. like apparating on on weird spots of the floor and just like always playing with advantage and it's just so silly statistically like he's probably the best player in the NBA right now I mean I still know that Nikola Jokic is better than him at basketball and I think people are sleeping a little bit on Nikola Jokic again but I've got Embiid Jokic SGA and Luca as like a clear I feel like MVP it's gonna tier. be yeah, between him and Shea, probably when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah. Embiid's just scoring um, a lot more than Jokic, so I don't, I don't know if Jokic will be a real contender. He, he always has, but that's like he did last year as well. And 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 Jokic has recently turned it on. There was a there was a minute where it was like, oh, Jokic is not really shooting the ball as well as he has in the past, mm -hmm. and then he just got on this ridiculous tear lately. Anyways, not the time to debate MVPs, but like, if yeah. anyone thinks Jokic has slowed down, it's like I like. A couple more games of shooting like this, and he'll be right back to where his shooting numbers were last year. And his shooting numbers last year were sixty-three percent from the field and thirty-eight percent from three. Like... Seventy percent true shooting, right? It's just it's insane. Yeah. Precedented, I'll put it that yeah. way. That <laughs> yeah, they, these are the kind of numbers that like big men that take like three shots a game hit. You know, not yeah, not yeah. high usage players. Okay, so that's the East front court yep. out of there. Starters, we got we have the same starters in the East, so yep. not much to discuss so there. Nine, you want to go nine back out of the ten players we've been identical on. So yeah, yeah. Only um, I had Kawhi, you had LeBron. So yep. let's go back to the West. West reserves. Um, so it's two guards, three forwards, and two wild cards, which can be whatever. In my case, yep. there were two guards because <laughs> I just thought the the West doesn't have the best forwards. So anyway, um, I'll start us off for my yep. guards. We probably divulge or diverge here a little bit based on what you're hinting at, but I had Booker and Steph off the bench. Booker. Yeah. Booker. <laughs> I have Steph. Yeah, I figured you would. And 
and I have Anthony Edwards. Okay. And Booker did not make my team. I had two guards ahead of Devin Booker. Okay. I'm guessing we can get it. Deer and Fox is probably it. the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah. And then my next one's a little bit, is a little bit more of like a hot take, but I'm also, yeah, a little bit looking at games played, a little bit looking at like, I'm a little bit of a Devin Booker skeptic. I think the numbers have been amazing. I think his shooting has drastically cooled off mm-hmm. in a way. Like he started it off like continuing his sort of playoff performance um, level shooting, which is just like, is he just going to keep shooting like this? And just like what we were just saying about Nikola Jokic just shooting, like that's going to be Devin Booker, but that has come back to the norm. His playmaking has looked really good. And that's really what yeah. sold it for me. I mean, he's like the one guy that he's played on a team that has no point guards. He's the one guy who can pass the ball. You have all these specialists who like cannot do anything with the ball in their hands, um, and you know Katie is relied upon to create a lot of his own shots, and, and Booker does that too. But like, he's, um, yeah, I mean, I just think he's kind of he's kind of forced into this role where he's having to create an offense out of like really unideal parts, and an offense that just like really does not look good half the time. So Devin Booker, twenty eight games, he's missed nine or ten games. Yeah. For the Suns. He's also having Suns, a good shooting season. Yes, but like his shooting season is based on being like red hot for about five games and then being kind of just okay for the rest of it. He plays for a team that is bad. His own defensive struggles are a part of the problem for the 17th ranked defense. Phoenix fans will tell you how much he's improved. The Phoenix games I've watched, I I I disagree. I don't see him contributing big on defense at all. I think the playmaking has been impressive. I think He's a deserving all-star guard, but I, yeah, I had, I had Anthony Edwards. I don't think Anthony Edwards is as good an offensive player overall as Devin Booker. He doesn't have the polish, but I think he brings a lot more in terms of his rim pressure. And then the defensive side of the ball, I'm like, we're looking at an ocean between these two players. And I'm a little bit more in the mood to just like, if I, if I'm kind of parsing through things, it's more than a tiebreaker for me that one plays for the best team in the NBA or the best team in the West and the other plays for a team that is look is like threatening to fall out of the play in because like at the like because the Utah Jazz are just too good. They're coming for Phoenix's play in spot. Like yeah. I just don't really feel like giving the Suns two all-stars unless I have to. And I think there's enough things I can say against Devin Booker's case in terms of games missed, in terms of not being a big contributor on defense, even if you think he's solid, where I'm just like, I'm comfortable leaving Devin Booker behind some of these other players that I I like more. I think Ant has been one of the better defensive guards in the NBA. Not like overall, like I I wouldn't put him on an all-defensive team, but in the next group, amongst star players... Like we just talked about the East and their like and their guards. I'd have Ant starting in the East by the by the way, like over Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think the point that you're making about the defensive end and the impact on winning is an appealing one. So I mean, I had Ant as a reserve, but or as a wild. You mean card. As, a, as a wild card? Yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm okay switching those two. Yeah, and then so the other well, I guess maybe we we get get more into this the Walker. We both agree on Curry, obviously, yeah. like. Like there's no there's no other he's the redeeming he's redeeming. the one redeeming factor about the Warriors this season. So yeah, he's still really I mean, good. He, he his play has like dropped off a, a little bit. You see him less in like this like you know upper echelon tier where he's clearly an MVP level player, but he's still yeah. pretty ridiculous. Well, that's um, why he's falling behind Shea. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, I think you could really make a case against Curry. Like we 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 both had him here, but now that I'm kind of like br- browsing some of the stats, I'm like. 
you could make an argument to leave Curry off, whether that was because you wanted to put Booker so, or Andrew. I'm not leaving Curry off the team, but I mean, I, I could see the arguments you have him as a wild card instead of yeah. Deer and Fox is my other wild card. I just don't think um, the I just don't think the forwards in the West were very good, you know. So I had to I, I filled my last two remaining spots with with guards because I just think we have six good guards in the Western Conference. Yeah, we get. With Curry, like he started off the year crazy hot too, and looked like is he going to have his best season ever this year? But now looking at it, like he's cooled off big time. He is shooting; he's down to shooting true shooting of sixty two percent, which is like not very good for him. He's averaging twenty seven points per game, down from starting the year averaging thirty two. He's averaging his least assists ever, like four point six assists per game. Yeah, the like he hasn't. He's never dipped below five. Back in 2013, he averaged 5.3, and then he's been – so that's noticeable. And the turnovers are, you know, as high as they've ever been. So it's not like he's just taking on less playmaking. I think like, – like, like Curry's not actually – like he's not quite platinum status protected. I've got him on my team for now, but I'm yeah. kind of like – like I could I could make an argument for – Okay, you know what? we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna swap it. I'm I'm putting I'm putting Fox and Ant on the uh, on the bench, and then Booker and Steph will be relegated to the wild card. I am also moving Fox into the reserve tier and moving Curry down to wild card tier. There's some other guards I want to talk about, but let's go over to the West, the West front court. That's what yep. I wanted to say. Yep, I had uh, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and. Man, it was really tough to pick a six forward. There's just a oh, whole yeah. lot of there's just a whole lot of guys who are just okay, you know. There isn't a clear six guy who's on the level of those top five. And like I really debated here a lot. I would say it came down to me between Paul George was one of them, and Sabonis was another guy that I I considered for sure. But I I still think like he's just not He's just he's a center who really struggles to protect the rim or protect or provide much of a backline defensively, and I, I just have a big problem with that. <laughs> so because he's kind of sorry, did you say Sabonis? Yeah, Sabonis. Okay, Larry Markkinen, but like he doesn't really make plays for others ever. Brandon, Ingram. he's the he's the finisher. Brandon Ingram, I'm just morally opposed to putting Brandon Ingram on the All Star team. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a really good year. Yeah, like I, he 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 was like he had he got strong consideration for me. Did not yeah. make the team. I think there's a very good case for Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I considered Zion. I don't know. Zion is just kind of not playing up to the standard that we all kind of expected from Zion as of a couple of years ago. Yeah, and and then the final two were Shangun and Cat. Out of that group, I don't really see anyone whose head and shoulders standing out above the rest, and so I went with Cat. Went with Cat of all that yeah. group, yeah. This this is it's a, really a it's a team success group. thing for me. It's like I just think Cat has just integrated much much better um, into the defensive system. He's had he's recovered the season. He he's much better. He's kind of figured things out with Rudy Gobert. I feel like the two of them have developed some chemistry. So I don't know. I, I just feel like out of a bunch of like kind of okay-ish options i i wanted to go with the kind of team success guy yeah i'm kind of i think i'm higher on all these okay-ish options than you are like i, I consider them all a little bit more than okay but i think well, yeah, i just i, mean, I, I had, just mean relative to the top five guys the i i had like i had this thought with cat because obviously he's a much maligned player most of that has been because of defense but also you know because of like 
some of his decision making on offense has been like very deservedly scrutinized kind of thing. Yeah. But overall, people generally accept that Cat is someone who helps your team's offense be really good and he's a very offensively talented player. So what if like what if it was just kind of a fact that he's good at defense this year? Yeah, I know. And that that's kind of what like, that was like the turning point for me. He, but I, I'm I'm still just having kind of cognitive dissonance, just like, wait, so how good is this guy? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm so used to, like, you know, downgrading him off the edge of the cliff because of his defense. Like, yeah. what if that's not actually – And I, like, I think he is better than neutral at defense. I think, like, I watched the Timberwolves most of their games, and I'm like, Cat just had another great defensive possession, and he really does not have his signature – awful possessions anymore he's just a solid large body that knows like with a lot of like discipline that all being said i'm still like i'm just confused about towns i went with sabonis i still think despite De'Aaron fox's offensive fireworks sabonis is still like so i mean fox is flat out a, a better player having a better season but you know but like and a lot of that like a lot of the confirmation that we kind of got for that was in the playoffs last year where Fox was able to keep being a hero and Sabonis was mitigated. But I also sometimes think we read that wrong. And I thought about this with Sabonis and Fox last year in the playoffs. And I also thought about it with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in their series against Denver. It's like, Mm -hmm. we watched Golden State do everything to make sure that DeMontis Sabonis had a bad series. Yeah, Um, that is true. it worked and the Sacramento Kings offense. Sabonis was also, also hurt the late part of the season and including that, that first round series yeah. against the Warriors. When I watch a defense sell out to ruin one offensive player's life and live with the contributions of the other player, it does give me pause because I felt that like I watched Denver just throw the kitchen sink and not let Durant move while kind of live with Devin Booker going into these like, like short drives, like we will let Phoenix have that. We will live with that. And they won the series. And I'm just like, I know that Kevin Durant is a more damaging player to a defense. You can't let Durant get his, you you know, you really have to turn off his easy offense. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of the same. Like if Sabonis is allowed to run dribble handoffs and, and, and light up, light the world on fire with all these three point shooters, like orbiting around him, then you can't you like the Kings are going to put up 130 points on you where De'Aaron Fox is going to get his. He's amazing. He's so fast. He's such a, like such a great tough shot hitter. But at the end of the day, you end up living with those shots and you win that playoff series. So while I'm fine with conceding that De'Aaron Fox is having a better season than DeMontis Sabonis mm-hmm. and that he's the best player of the Kings. And I'm, I'm putting him on the all-star team. I'm kind of like, ah, we are like, He's averaging 20 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists. He's shooting 60% from the field. He's hitting his open threes. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good playmaker for a big man. Yeah, and I think that without, like, I just don't, I think he's he's what makes the Kings go more than anything. Now, yeah. that all being said, he is my pick. I looked really hard at Towns. Rudy Gobert, who's the, like, runaway defensive player of the year right now, leading the yeah. best defense in the NBA and looking amazing. I thought really hard about Chet Holmgren. Um, I like, it might not like maybe like his, his, his points and rebounds don't blow you off the table, but he's also a defensive player of the year candidate, like, you know, making monstrous contributions to a team that like, while Minnesota is the best team in the West right now, like, okay, he's coming for it. And they're playing, they're actually like, despite the record, like 
they look like the better team. I expect them to be the number one seed in the West. Like, give it a couple more weeks, and the Timberwolves are in the midst of a brutal schedule. So he's the second best player on the – I had Jalen Williams on my long list as well. I don't think he's quite got the numbers to justify that, but when you – Chet's defense puts him up there. And then finally, I also thought about Shengun and Paul George in this tier. Yeah. Shengun is having a monster offensive season as well, and his defense has gone from bad to, like – not bad he's he's been he moves his feet he does things well and the conventional wisdom pick has got to be paul george right you know he's a guy with a pedigree having a all-star ish level season yeah like i think i think this is really tough i'm having a hard time making my mind paul george there's nothing really bad to say about paul george's um offense or defense this year if you want to pick the pedigree player, maybe La- he's Lowry, Lowry as well, just like a hyper-efficient scorer, play finisher that rebounds and defends the perimeter okay. Yeah. So we're basically just, we've organically moved into our to our wild cards here. So with this, I haven't picked this. If there's a front court player that's going to get it, I haven't picked them yet. I have mm-hmm. Sabonis as my, as a reserve. Okay. So, and I like, I want to bring in, you already, we've already talked about Booker. He's in my nebulous cloud of of players to grab this one spot we got one two three four five six seven players for one spot okay um, ingram is not in this i don't have ingram in this group i don't have zion in this group okay i don't have marketing in i don't have women yana or jaron jackson jr or desmond bain that's kind of my next tier of players i do have devin booker and i do have jamal murray in this category of players and that is not necessarily because he's, i think he's, he's missed outplayed. a lot of games Unless well, you're just not penalizing guys for that. I mean, he's played he's played four less games than Devin Booker. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm aware I, he's not the only guy who's missed games. Yeah, I I just like he's having a good season. He's averaging 20 points and six assists. He's shooting like he's got elite efficiency. He's shooting 47 from the field, 41 percent from three. He's doing damage. He's doing close enough to an impression of his playoff self. Where I'm just at the point with tiebreakers here, where I'm like. Like I want to, I want Jamal Murray to be an All Star so bad. Not because he's Canadian, by the way. Like I don't like really care about that when it comes to All Star picks, but because like I just know, like I just think he should be rewarded. I I think it's ridiculous for him to remain not an All Star just because of some like random blips of kind of bad luck, and that he's a like I'd rather see the guy. I like I used to vote for Manu Ginobili for the All Star game every year just because I like I know he doesn't have better stats than these guys right now, but I know he's going to be murdering them in a playoff series. So he's a, like he's in this group of seven and players or whatever that I'm like choosing for one spot. Yeah, and I have him ahead of Booker. Okay, I mean if it's a guard. Yeah, I mean I get it. Like team success wise, I just think. You know, Jamal Murray, like, he's not going to have the same raw numbers as Booker. I mean, he's not really that far behind, honestly. He's kind of in this this huge group of guys who are roughly averaging, like, 25-ish and 5-ish, right? There's there's yeah. so many guys who are in that category. But, yeah, like, the Nuggets are just, they're dynamite when him and Jokic are on the floor. My favorite two-man pairing to watch in the NBA. They just have such incredible chemistry. I love the reverse pick and rolls that they do. Those are so much yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Quietly also his it's quietly his like it's his, his best season. Not necessarily like maybe like it doesn't stand out by counting stats, but when you get into like on a possession by possession, this is like his best scoring rate ever and his best assist rate ever. Yeah. And his most is it his most efficient season? 
not actually quite. He's, but he's, it's one of his most efficient seasons ever. I just feel like he's been more consistent. Like we had this thing with Jamal Murray for years where it's like, okay, he kind of sucks for the first three quarters. And then he like turns it on late in the game and starts playing well. But like, you really wish he yeah. would just like play well consistently, like throughout the game. And I feel like, I don't know if it was the playoff experience last year. He just feels like more settled and under control throughout the game now. He's also like more firmly their point guard, I feel, than he's ever been. Like for for years, it was kind of like they they didn't really like they didn't really play a style out of the point guard. But now, like with how many pick and rolls they run with Jamal Murray, he looks a lot more like one. On off numbers, like him the best out of this group of guards. I think there's just a really strong. I think regardless of that, he's played 24 games. I think there's. I, I just think he's got a case. I just think it's like. I like. I'm not going to be. I would be happy, not mad, if Jamal Murray yeah. beat out some guys for this spot. Well, I mean, um, you mentioned seven guys in competition for this last spot, but like yeah, in reality, yeah. you could bring up like 15 guys. You know, there's, there's yeah. so many. I mean, yeah, on my longer list, I thought about Harden. I thought about Fred Van Vliet. I looked at CJ McCollum has sneakily bounced back. I thought about Aaron. I, you know, I thought about some other Nuggets guys. I even went down all the way to like, how's Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant doing in Portland? But no, um, I mean, no, <laughs> Jeremy Grant is going to be a Philadelphia 76er. And we're going to have okay. a couple of nice, juicy 2028 draft picks or something. So you think you think Daryl Morey is going to punt on? No, I don't, I don't know. I just think it makes it. <laughs> I don't I yeah. don't really know why we're hanging on to Jeremy Grant long term, but yeah, yeah. He'll definitely someone to watch during the trade deadline, but not so much at the all-star deadline. Yeah. <laughs> Do we like I don't know who else like we've made cases for everyone. Do you have like let's try to because what do we do you have two wildcard spots open right now or do you have one? I got one. No, who it's it's uh, Stefan Booker. Oh you okay, you, you put Booker in. All right, I'm going to go with, I got one spot to give up. I can really see a case for any of these bigs or Paul George. It's not going to be Booker for me because I want some spice on this podcast. Um, George is the most boring decision. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You know what? I'm picking, I'm going to put Chet Holmgren in my last wild card spot. Okay. I just it, think it's like, like you're, you're building like a, an Olympic team where they, they have the... <laughs> The token rookie that comes along. Yeah, I just think like how his offensive flexibility is immeasurable. Mm. I think he is in, I think he's on the list of like defensive player of the year candidates. Yeah. There's just no denying the impact that he's bringing there and how easy he makes everything. I just, I'm like pretty floored by Chet he's, Holmgren. Every he's already, he's already maybe OKC's second best player, which is insane. I think he definitely is, and I'm yeah. and I'm like I'm like as big a Jalen Williams fan as you can almost possibly be. But I just like Chet's so the rim protection and the shooting and the decision making is just like it's astounding. I think he's a more complete this player. This is this is why it drove us Gonzaga fans completely insane that our awful garbage backcourt like threw away this incredible chance that we had at our first title with Chet Holmgren. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, what like that's that's what that's what college guards do, though, right? Yeah, they like it's awful. <laughs> College guards got a college guard. Ready to head back to the ready to head back to the east because we yeah. just steamrolled through the rest of our west there. So yeah, let's we are now it. in a it's it's a little bit less. I've got a longer list in the east, but only because I think once you get out of the top, it gets a little bit murkier here. Who are your who are your east backup guards? Hold on here, I have seventy eight tabs open. I'm just trying to find the right one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll go. I'll, I'll do my. I, I've got I've got Brunson. Yep, yep. No, and... so I had Brunson, but like I'm I'm trying to think here because now we're saying well, 
probably an injury replacement here. So I'm trying to add an additional guard. But yes, I'm, you know, just based purely on picks, ignoring injuries, Tyrese and Mitchell were first team. Uh, yeah, and then I, I was going to have Brunson and Maxi. I also have Brunson and Maxi. And you know what? I had, I gave Maxi and Brunson a long thought as the starter. I think Maxi has been incredible in Philadelphia's offense this year. I think the defense is, yeah, as bad as ever. He's just, he's just like, he's a small, he's actually like, he does some solid defensive playmaking. He's got some good anticipation skills. He's got long arms. He's able to be a little bit disruptive, but he's also just like a small guard who gets out of position a lot of the time. His off ball defense is worse than his on ball defense. There's just, it's still a negative overall, which ended up giving Mitchell the kind of edge there. And Brunson's a lot stronger than Maxi on defense. So I think at least like you're not gonna like post him up as easily all day as you can as you can do with Maxi. But Maxi just doesn't like in that dribble handoff offense, he's just like I think you can take away what Maxi does with a ton of focus because he does need a runway. And if you take away that runway from him and you and you have defenders who aren't gonna get blown by too easily, I think you can deal with Maxi a little bit more easily than you can deal with the resiliency of of Jalen Brunson's strength than that mid-range pull-up game. But oh my god, like six six point six assists and one point five turnovers, like this guy does not make mistakes. Like he's and he and he doesn't miss. He's cooled off since the beginning of the season, but he's still an incredibly efficient, dangerous shooter. Yeah, watching him just get to attack with advantage and rip out defenses' throats over and over and over again has been a special joy to watch. I really like his game and and think he definitely deserves a spot in this team. I had him until a recent kind of drop in production and and bead missing some games. I had Maxi as my starter for like like when I opened up this document to like get ready for this podcast, Maxi was still on there in bold. And I, you know, had to revisit things and reconsider things. And but Maxi's firmly in the reserve tier for me, as he seems to be for you. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, with the shots that he was taking and what he was shooting, what, like 42, 43% from three for like the first yeah. month of the yeah. season, it was, it was just insane. And yeah, he has cooled off a little bit since then, but like, you know, I would say still clearly like, you know, having a better offensive season than Dame, who was kind of the other guy yep. I was yep. somewhat considering. And I think he's just better, a little bit better defensively than Dame as well. So. Yeah, I just, and yeah. Despite what, what, despite what some Philly fans told us, Maxi did not continue to shoot forty four percent from three for the for the entire season. But yeah. let's let's go right over onto the front court if we're if we're lockstep on those guards. Yeah, so I'm curious to see. Well, should, do you want me to go first? It kind of it, it'll be a little probably a little bit more exciting because <laughs> I'm just like so unsure on these picks. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So. I mean, the front court in the East is just really interesting. There's just like, there's so many names of guys that, you know, like these are not bad players, but all of them are flawed to a, to some extent. Man, I just like, I really, really had to fight, you know, decide who I was going to pick and, and not have Julius Randle as a, as a front court reserve on my team. Uh, can, can I, I'm going to quickly fire off some names of, of front court players. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just seeing them, but go ahead. Kristaps Porzingis, mm-hmm. Julius Randle, yep. pa- Pascal Siakam, yep. Paolo Bancaro is quietly like like upped his shooting numbers recently, and they're like, still been bad. Playing. Not like they're, the thing is, I had Franz much closer to the list, but Paolo's shooting numbers are now better than Franz's. But Franz Wagner is still on my list. Mikhail yeah. Bridges, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, no. Tobias Harris, <laughs> Demar Derozan, yeah. Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez. Jared Allen recently, 
Nicholas Clacton recently. And a quick shout out to a quick shout out to Jalen Duran, who is definitely going to come nowhere near this because Detroit is so bad. But he has if, if Detroit was good and he was playing like that, he'd be more seriously in consideration. But none of these guys made this team. I was probably the closest on Porzingis and had to give Randall a heavy look because of those numbers. A look or did, is Randall on your team? Randall's definitely not on my team. Porzingis is not on my team, but like, I just think. Wait, Randall, Randall is or isn't? Randall is not, is not. Okay. Every player I've listed so far did not make my team and did not even, I have to make one last decision on this team that we're going to be doing. So your team is Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, and Pascal Siakam? Nope. Pascal Siakam, I also listed. You're missing one obvious front court guy. Like, Bam? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Hear, I think Bam. Did you, did you say the, Siakam? I, missed, I must have missed that name. Yeah, yeah, I said Siakam. Okay. He was was right after. I mean, I, I'm who am I kidding? I'm putting Siakam above Randall. I don't believe in Randall at all. Okay, so you have Bam, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler. Okay, so we're two out of three. I have. Who's your? Oh, I know who it is. Who? <laughs> Scotty Barnes. No. What? I, I had, okay. I had, Kate, I had Chris Stapps. Okay, I think I, so. You gave the Celtics three players. Yep, Butler, Chris Stapps, and uh, Jalen Brown. I'm assuming that your wild card is not going to have Derek White as well, and you don't want to give him four all-stars. <laughs> no. no, Derek White's usage rate is, is too low. It's it's not an all-star qualifying. I, I know okay. that's that's petty, but <laughs> no, I mean I think that's how I think that's closer to how most people make their decisions. I'm always trying to find ways to get defensive guys on all-star teams, but Derek White didn't quite make my list either, though. Yeah, and the the Celtics are just they're just ridiculous when KP is on the floor. They're like the historically greatest team in any sport ever. So like, and their, their offense is still good, but it's not like world destroying when KP is not on the floor. So and I, I think they've used him defensively really effectively for the most part. It is interesting. KP does present like the, I mean, a, he gives them rim protection, which they don't have with him off the floor. So I think he's very important to have on the floor, but it is interesting. He KP provides like the one, maybe area of weakness that might be a little bit exploitable in the playoffs just because they love to put him on non-shooters so that he's closer to the basket because he has a hard time closing all the way out from near the paint to the perimeter. So if you can get five guys on the floor that can shoot, I mean, that's not going to be relevant in every matchup. But anyway, that's a long way of saying like KP isn't a perfect fit, but I mean, he just, he just amplifies the Celtics offense to such an extent yeah, he's like a he's like a stiffer Chet Holger. Like a lot of the things that I said about Chet are true about Porzingis, but he's not quite as mobile and not mm-hmm. quite as like and doesn't have the sort of like ambient playmaking. He doesn't make decisions quite at the level that Chet does, but he does bring like you know he's he's a he's this kind of monster three and D center with some with a little bit of rim pressure, which the their offense like desperately needs. So I agree that he's like. Yeah really important to the Celtics. Yeah, He's on my short list. And KP is just like an uh, offensive efficiency monster and Bam isn't, but like I, Bam's a better defense, a more versatile defensive player. So I, I totally under, I'm not like upset with, <laughs> with those, you know. Oh wait, do you not have Bam on your list? No. You put Chris Dapp's Porzingis over Bam out of bio. I didn't realize that. I was being cooperative. Well, what am I supposed I'm... to do? The, the Celtics are like the, you know, number one in the East with a bullet in, in Miami's so, like so, middle yeah, of the so, pack. So, so why stop at Porzingis? Why not get White and Drew and get Sam Hauser on oh, come there? Come on, team, know, team success <laughs> like dictated half your decisions in the West. I can't do this My, in the East. Miami is not having a bad season. They're no, they're not, but they're not the Celtics. They are um, 
seven games behind the Celtics mm-hmm. with vastly inferior talent. Bam Adebayo is averaging 22 and 10 with four assists and getting to the line at, at like, you know, at a very high rate. He's arguably the best defensive player in the NBA when push comes to shove. Yeah. I think like I've got Bam closer to like a dark horse MVP candidate than I have him being like, you know, like not, I thought he was the easiest front court reserve to name. I thought I was like, I was like, well, Bam's in, let me, let's look at how many games Jimmy Butler's missed. Let's look at Jalen Brown's kind of like non-scoring stats or non-scoring impact. Let's look at the other ball. I definitely like gave Porzingis a big, long look. And I, and I bumped Derek White up to like above guys like LaMelo and whoever, Deontay and some other, yeah, I don't know. I put, I put Derek White at the same level as Dame, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, I think for me, Bam's a lock. I don't like, I don't, I don't see Jimmy over Bam. That's the, that, that's wild. Like what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the take there? I just think Jimmy's more important for the Heat's offense, especially the half court setting. I, I disagree, actually. Like, I think, like, Jimmy Butler is given, like, I think push comes to shove in the playoffs, they need Jimmy to step up and be a monster. But when I watch them play, they kind of keep Jimmy as, like, this little offensive wild card. They run a ton of stuff through, like, Tyler Hero. I think I think their offense revolves around Bam in the middle of the floor, pressuring the rim and playmaking. Like, in terms of structurally, I'm not saying that makes Bam in a vacuum better than, obviously, Jimmy Butler is a more talented offensive player. I'm not saying yeah. that at all. I guess but, I've but, always had a bit of a, I think we had the same argument last year where I had Butler over Bam and you had Bam over Butler in the All-Star team. I think this is literally just a mirror of last year. I think it's it's always, it's always been a little annoying to me how Bam gets his shots. It just doesn't feel like really in the flow of the offense. Whereas Butler just feels a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands. Like with Bam, there's, there's a lot of little flip shots and, you know, stuff in the in the paint where he's just kind of holding the ball and then seems to cast something up without really waiting for the possession to develop i don't think that bam is a is a good scorer like just in general like i'm not i'm not yeah and and here here's here's the argument i'll present i'll flip this back on you Mm. i felt like in the finals last year with the way that the nuggets defended the heat it was very similar to what you're talking about with sun series where they really let bam take all the shots he wants and tried to cut the water off when it came to Jimmy. So I feel yeah, like not, other, other teams view Butler as much less of or sorry, Bam as much less of an offensive threat. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I have no pushback on that because Jimmy Butler is a better offensive player than Bam. I think the way that they run their offense, Bam is like, is more integral that the, the, the Jimmy lives kind of off scrap. I think, I think, I think it's more like if there's any debate on the, uh, over who's contributing more on offense, like, just flip it to the other side of the ball where, where Bam is a defensive player of the year candidate. And, and Jimmy's really good. Just like, I, th- I just think the gap is, is bigger on that end on off numbers like Jimmy more than, mm-hmm. more than Bam. So there's like, you know, there's, there's not like a, a clean and obvious like statistical case to make in Bam's favor. But I see like, you know, I feel like they build the team kind of around what like bam's overall versatility and then they kind of fill in gaps around that just structurally they like they put one guy in the middle they run they run shooters around but on the perimeter it's kind of like if it's duncan robinson's night jimmy's like cool i'm chilling in the corner my one other gripe and maybe this is just a personal thing but miami once again is just abysmal at protecting the rim yeah and i think like bam does bam is super versatile defensively he's out on the perimeter guarding forwards like half the time right 
so like I, I get that he provides a lot of value, but the one thing that he does not do is deter shots at the basket. I feel like that that always like takes away a little bit from me for like someone who's playing the five man. I think the rim protection numbers have nothing to do with Bam not being a good rim protector. I think if you look into a lot of like He's um, not asked to defend the rim a lot because like what he, he really excels at is is like switching and being super versatile. His his like rim protection numbers in terms of like, you know, field goal differentials and, and sort of like how other teams score against him in certain play actions, like if he's guarding the the roll man or if he's switched on the ball handler, like no one scores on Bam in those situations. Like he's mm-hmm. just a monster in basically every kind of defensive play type. Yeah. However, they make no like they're the, they're one of the only teams in the league that's just like we will never play big. We don't like, like, well, I mean, that's not, they play yeah. Kevin Love is like a Kevin Love Bam is as big as this team can, which go. is not very or big. <laughs> a, or a Nikola Jovich Bam, right? So we're talking, we're actually talking about if he plays with another big, he plays with a big who's a defensive liability. And yeah. it's actually more work for him than it is if he's playing with a Caleb Martin or, or a Haywood Highsmith or, or a Jaime Jaquez. Yeah. So well, the I, interesting, I like, the interesting thing they, with Bam is like just body type wise. He's he's super strong, right? And he has like massive shoulders, but he's he's not very tall, and he's not like some massive vertical athlete. So like, there's some there's a few other centers in the NBA who are like six eight, right? Like Dwight Howard was famously not super tall for the position yeah. that he played, or like Rob Williams, I think is you know body type wise maybe a decent comparison. But a lot of those guys were like huge vertical leapers, and Bam is not. So I mean, you're, they're a pretty impressive athlete. Yeah, but not at the level of like a Rob Williams. You know, he doesn't like have that insane weak side rim protection explosiveness where he just like I mean, <laughs> jumps halfway across the court or like a Giannis, for example. I just think the, like they're yeah, really I mean, they're really playing like a traditional power forward at the five. Yeah, he's 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 like a little under six nine without shoes on. And it's not like he has a seven six wingspan. He's got like a seven, almost seven three wingspan. So, yeah. And, and you know what? Like that has showed up. Like Anthony Davis, like handled him in the finals. Nikola Jokic was too big, to. But like that's uh, to me. Not, and like, but then I watch him play like Alpi Shengun the other night. I watched Heat, Heat Rockets, and I was like, oh, against, against yes, against the biggest, most powerful players in the NBA, Bam is is human but watching like shengun is a is a strong strong boy with with really quick shuffly feet and like shengun couldn't he like he was reduced to attacking gaps the whole night like he just couldn't get anything against bam and it's like he even like sometimes when they were like boxing each other out for rebounds like alpi shengun is used to just like putting his butt on someone and clearing out the paint mm-hmm. he bounced he bounced off well bam's like really there. strong and has an incredible yeah, center of yeah. gravity so i think that's part of it so like and, and shengun is big but he's not like a mule like Jokic, right so he's not that's what quite i mean, at that yeah. level i know that bam like there's a there's a certain i didn't like consider bam for a starting spot i know there's a level where bam does top out or where he doesn't have the same advantages but like mm-hmm. i think this is just more about like the heat ask him to do everything yeah. and he's like of course he falls out off short in some of those areas like i've never he's one of the most relied on players for like in the league for a team that has gone to two finals in the past five years. And I feel like he gets very little credit for that because Jimmy Butler plays a very heroic style of basketball. I had Jimmy and Bam both in my reserves, by the way. So this wasn't a Jimmy versus Bam question for me. Yeah, I have a Bam as a wild card. So like he's still on the team. And okay. if, if we want right. to swap him from J- for Jalen Brown 
and and make Jalen Brown a wild card. I think that's that's acceptable. I think J- like yeah, Jalen Brown is like because he's almost the opposite of Bam. He's just like a re- like he's like this like powerful downhill on ball scorer with with good enough shooting range that just like is a pretty boring in every other way. Can you like, hear that earthquake happening in the background? You're having an earthquake. No, it's a we live right it's next the- to a train track. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that like it was like Celtics fans coming from my head if I'm about to say something bad about the ha- the house does shake slightly when, it, when the train goes by. So. <laughs> the house does shake slightly when Jalen Brown slander begins on this podcast. I thought like I I couldn't really find a way to get Jalen Brown off this team. I just think mm. he's like he's yeah. on the he's on the best team and he's like you know very clearly their 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 second option on offense and he's also like despite not being he's like always been like the fifth best defender on the Celtics but that doesn't mean he's not a really good defender like he's one of the sturdier men yeah he's just he's just defenders. not not a versatile defender on a team full yeah, of a yeah. bunch of super versatile defenders and and yeah. if everyone else can guard three positions I you don't need to be Mr. Versatile I guess so yeah that, and I just don't fine. think he he doesn't chip in that much as a help defender like he always kind of looks like small at times when he's trying to crowd the paint or yeah. like you know like disrupt in certain ways but I, like I can picture a different world where like like picture if Jalen Brown was the best player on I don't know like like what if Jalen Brown was on like Brooklyn or Indiana and we'd just be talking about like or like let's say Indiana like if he on Indiana he would be like the like we would be talking about what an amazing defender he was because like there's bad defenders around him I think we we sometimes lose track of how good he is defensively because of the environment he's in where he's sort of like well he's not doing as much as like Derek White, who's a defensive genius, or Drew Holiday, who's considered the best guard defender of the past, like yeah. you know, five years, and a good rim protector, and Jason Tatum, who's wonderfully versatile, and Al Horford, still like a boss coming off the bench for them, like. But like, I couldn't get him off the team, but I, I did pit a lot of players up against him, and I was just like, is this guy better than Jalen Brown? Like, because a lot of players are a lot more versatile than he is, but I feel like they need to be on either a similarly competitive team or just be so clearly statistically better than him to have to take this spot from him. I think it's just kind of, it's kind of his, like he deserves a reserve spot in the Eastern conference all-star team. And he's my only other Celtic. So I gave the Celtics two. Yeah. Oh, so you don't have KP as well, but wild card. No, no. Okay. I still got, I got to pick a wild card. And you don't have Derek White. I don't have Derek White, but I got, I got one wild card. It's a shame. Okay. Wait. So, Okay, you have you're going to give one wild card pick, and you're saving. Your yes, life. yes, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna debate over the last options. Yeah, do I, you have. I I what don't. Do you, I don't you know. Have no wild for card the last. <laughs> no, I have one. Oh, who's it, your one? It was Bam, but due Bam, to your, right, due okay. to the case that you made, I'm I'm swapping it for. <laughs> I'm swapping him in in KP, I guess. I'm swapping him in mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. I don't know. Jalen Brown has better raw numbers than KP, but KP's you know advanced impact on the Celtics is is head and shoulders above Jalen Brown's. So I'll, I'll just say oh, yeah. Jalen Brown will be my wild card pick. I might see, I might like, you know, flip a little bit with you in a different way where I take Jalen Brown off the team to put Chris Tapps Porzingis on. I think Chris Tapps Porzingis has more of an impact on the Celtics success than Jalen Brown does. I think that you are correct and i am moving my spreadsheet around okay where chris Porzingis is now in the front court and jalen brown has been demoted into this wild card group okay so uh-huh. he's, he's a, crazy though he's a potential wild card for you but not set in stone yeah yes he still he's got a fight against three other players 
for my last wild card spot. Do you want my other wild card spot, or I want to see you... Jalen Brown and Scotty Barnes have this cage match that you're alluding to. Yeah, here. but you know who's not in this cage match because they've made my team is Trey Young. Okay, I mean I can see um, it. Like he's having a ridiculous season. So he's having a ridiculous season, and I'm just kind of like I think you kind of have to make a decision of where you want to blame Atlanta's mediocrity on Trey Young, mm-hmm. or do you want to blame it on the rest of the team basically and in the past there has been strong there's been a strong statistical signal that trey young is so damagingly bad at defense that you cannot like that like if you want to blame everything on trey young you can but this year Mm -hmm. he doesn't have that statistical signal so i'm just like i don't like i don't really I don't feel quite as confident about making that assertion and I'm not a Trey Young hater. So I, I'm not going to, and I look at the rest of the team and I like, I've watched Atlanta maybe half a dozen times this season and everyone's like, like Jalen Johnson was on Jalen Johnson would be in the discussion for me as a, he like long list all-star discussion. Had he not gotten hurt? I think he's their second best player. I think Deontay Murray is also on my long list, but really bad fit there. And then everyone else is just so underwhelming. Like DeAndre Hunter is fine, but not good. Clint Capella is another year more mediocre, it seems. Like he totally does his job. Everyone does their job, but no one does it at a high level. And there's just this one guy averaging like, you know, 30 and 11. And his and his three-point shooting numbers have trended back upwards. He started the season ice cold again, but he's been on fire for like a, a month now. And I'm just like, I've left Trey Young off the all-star team before and felt fine about it. I'm not doing this year. Trey Young yeah. deserves to be on the all-star team, squeaked in with a wild card, one little step ahead of the next four guys that are going to compete for that. Trey Young is in. <laughs> I, I, I like your case. I do see that numbers are really good. I don't think that defensive problems can be squarely blamed on him. There's all sorts of problems all throughout the roster, including yeah. Clinton Capella, just, you know, whether it's age, whether it's, I mean, he's had just kind of a, a long laundry list of minor injuries, not a ton of major yeah. injuries, but, you know, he's just fallen off slightly. I'm going to squeak him in, but not as a wild card. I'm banking on there being at least one injury replacement because I, okay. I have one wild card I want to add, so... Okay, who's your uh, wild card? Trey, Trey Young is filling in for Maxi, who's going to be bumped up to the starting lineup. Or who else? No, Brunson is going to be in the starting lineup, and Trey Young <laughs> is going to fill in for him. Okay, all right. I'm glad you've planned it all out. I, this is totally in the moment. I want to put Scotty Barnes on in that last spot. Okay. You can start with the Scotty Barnes case. He's in my group of four. So. Scotty, Scotty Barnes can shoot threes. Scotty Barnes yeah. can defend your best player, one through four, very at a pretty high level. Scotty Barnes, I'm totally comfortable with him handling the ball basically all the time, making plays for others, making the right decision. Scotty Barnes is really good around the rim. Just give him the ball within the paint and against you know any sort of matchup where he is not at a massive physical disadvantage and I'm confident he'll get a good shot or find the open man if they send a double. I just don't see like a lot of weaknesses in Scotty Barnes game, right? Like the weakness last year was he couldn't shoot and he wasn't totally awesome off ball when, when Siakam and Van Vliet had the ball in their hands. And I just, I feel like he's improved at all the things that we criticized of him last year. So like, how do I not reward that? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I did not see the, well, he came in like he came into the league with a you know really broken looking jumper. 
Mm-hmm. But he's in his rookie season, he shot the ball really confidently. So I felt really good about Scotty Barnes. I'm just like, I don't know what kind of shooter he's going to be, but like, he's not going to like let that interfere. He 100% reworked his form, you know, and I haven't like gone into the weeds on how exactly he's done this, but like his shot just looks, I mean, he's got a lot more arc on it this year than he had in the yeah, past. Yeah, so much arc. Yeah. This shot just looks different. It looks like it's more comfortable for him to get it off. He doesn't need a ton of space anymore, you know, like. Yeah, he guys, tries it way quicker. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know. I just I, I just think he he had a couple major weaknesses and he just like improved upon those so much over the offseason. Yeah. So like, I mean, I can't. So it, like cage match time. I can't <laughs> okay. really make an individual case for Jalen Brown over. Scottie I'm pretty Barnes. confident Scotty Barnes would would win over Trey Young. <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, Jalen Brown cage match with uh, okay. Scotty Barnes. That's, that's I think, more I think, of a. A couple more things about Scotty Barnes. Like, like one thing besides like the shooting just being. I mean, he's shooting 38% from three on like a, you know, really solid number of attempts. I did not see that coming because his shooting really regressed last year and he did not look confident shooting the ball. It was a bad thing whenever he shot the ball this year. It's like, I see him taking step backs. He loves to shoot it. It's like a good thing. But also when he gets in the paint, the way in which he's scoring like that you're describing here is that like, he's just got such long arms and he keeps his release point so high Mm -hmm. that he's not like, you think you're contesting Scotty Barnes on some of these paint shots, but you're not really like, he's just above you, know, you getting a little flick. You up know and who it's just he like... reminds me of? This is a really weird comparison, but he reminds me a little bit of Jokic when he's operating in the paint. Yeah. Like, yeah, when, maybe... okay. Jokic sometimes just goes full bully ball mode. Right. But when Jokic is in his bag in the paint and is like looking to get just like, a little bit of room so he can just kind of flip the ball out of his hands and in like Scotty Barnes has kind of like similar spots and, and similar ways in which he kind of attempts to get those shots off. I feel like. So obviously a big, like, you know, poor man's version of almost every aspect of Jokic's game, but I definitely see what you mean in terms of like strength off the pivot foot. Like he's really versatile off the pivot foot. He doesn't lose his vision. He sees passing angles and when nothing materializes, he's got that nice flip shot down. But I'd say the one advantage he has over Jokic in that area is that Scotty Barnes can jump. (laughs) That's true. So (laughs) like that flip, he might, he's not seven feet tall. Jokic doesn't Um, need to jump. He just like pushes you out of the way a little bit and then reaches his hands over your head and yeah grabs the offensive rebound but like you know like you can test the crap out of Jokic's shot and he still just sort of gets it off it doesn't matter Scotty doesn't quite have that he's like you know he's he's like he's a forward sized player but it's deceptive because like he's got this massive wingspan and he's got crazy hops off two feet so just sort of like all of a sudden he just kind of just transforms for one second into like a seven foot three guy and and throws up a little flip shot and it's just like that's really hard to guard advanced numbers don't love him this year he's got kind of a little bit of the pascal siakam curse where he's like killing it but there's like he has not he's had these incredible moments of rim protection this year for the raptors and he's averaging 1.4 blocks and 1.4 steals and i see him make do some incredible defensive playmaking but the raptors do not defend the rim very well when he's on the floor and i feel like it's going to be a little bit more scrutinized now that OG is not there because the Raptors were a good defense with OG on the floor. But the whole season, it was like Scotty Barnes is looking great defensively. And even early on, some defensive metrics really liked him as a catch-all thing. Those have sort of faded. I don't know. It's a kind of – he's a sort of hard 
play like the numbers don't all like him i really like him when i see him play and i always going to go off that first sort of thing unless i yeah. get an explanation for why the numbers are are, are are saying like they're they're like nine points worse with scotty on the floor but they're also a bad team overall he plays point guard for them a lot he'll do it probably less with quickly but like he's basically their starting shooting guard that can morph into their like offensive post hub so yeah but the Raptors suck. They're a bad team. They do. Um, but, I mean, team record thrown out. And also you you moved Kristaps Porzingis onto your team. So you already have your two Celtics. Quota I know, yeah. Met. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum, Scotty Barnes is a better player than Jalen Brown. I agree. There's one more player that I haven't discussed that I'm really surprised that you haven't integrated into this discussion a little bit I, more. I consider but, Dame. And he's not on your team at all. Dame is not on my team either. Um, Damian, I think he. Da- I appreciate Damian Lillard a lot. He is really bad on defense, and he was kind of the offensive force making the Blazers go. I mean, we had so many seasons where I mean, I feel like a lot of it was just like a gravity thing because we had so many seasons where we had two or three players in our lineup who were who were not good at offense, <laughs> and the Blazers were still like a top five offense in the NBA. Like it was it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, Dame is not yeah. currently having that level of impact. So like. With the Bucks, you know, Giannis yeah. is their best offensive player, not Dame. Dame tends to be the one making decisions late in games. He had a bunch of like game-winning or game-clinching shots early in the season that has tailed off a little bit towards his midpoint in the season. But yeah, I mean, I think if he's not having that ridiculous offensive impact, the defensive weaknesses remain. I don't know. I mean, he's he kind of has some similar weaknesses to Trey Young, and, and Trey Young's playing better, so. Yeah, I think that if Dame was even just a touch more efficient, if Dame was playing anything nearing his like the efficiency he's had in the past couple of years, I think you couldn't keep him off the team regardless of like the the Bucks defense crumbling due to his presence alone almost. But I just don't like how are you going to get him over any of these other guards like with with those numbers. You have to be like with well, the Bucks are the two seed. The Bucks are lucky to be the two seed because like they're not really playing like one like. You know, they've got a, you know, by simple rating system, they're the they're the fourth best team in the East, like just a touch above the Pacers kind of thing. So like the Sixers and Celtics have looked a lot better than them, regardless of record. And um, Dame has had amazing moments, but he's been, he also had brutal moments as well that have caused legitimate panic amongst the Bucks fan base. He's 34 years old. I, yeah, I just think he would have to be playing a little bit better than this for him to be, I, you know, you a lot of us expected him to be a lock, and I, I just don't think, yeah, like between the names we've already mentioned, I don't really see a case for Dame. I had him like I had him right there with Derek White, who's obviously the opposite kind of Dame player. is a spry young thirty. Yeah, he will turn. He's thirty four soon, though. Yeah. Right? He's, this is his age thirty four season. He turns thirty four in the summer. But I, I'm only bringing that okay. up because sure. there there has been so much consternation over Damian Lillard's age when we've had yeah. we've seen. I mean, yes, in the early 2000s, a 33-year-old guard would be concerning. But, like, we've seen so many stories recently, like Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, who have been able to maintain really high-level play into their mid-early, late 30s. And no, th- but not, but not like, not really, really high-level play. Chris Paul was still really good up until, like, age 35, 36. But, but Chris Paul is, um, like, his scoring impact disappeared pretty quickly right by the time he got well yeah by the uh, by the time he was like even he limped out of houston he had this big comeback where he kind of reworked his body but even he came back and his value was more about like he was a clutch mid-range shooter really good really good floor general and kept up with pretty strong defensive impact for so like 
yeah. with him and even someone like Kyle, like Kyle Lowry was more a role player in his in his in his old age but a lot of that impact came from his his versatility his like scrappiness sort of thing mm-hmm. like cuz his his scoring versatility disappeared after like the championship season he like he was able like both those guys are so strong and versatile and were able to fill different roles where yeah. we like already know like Dame's only shining beacon is Steph Curry, who is the same age as him? Uh, is Steph Curry... Curry's older, I think. You're too older. Steph Curry is already... Steph Curry's 35. And almost 36, actually. So that's actually a sizable gap. So Steph Curry is the hope. But he's already not looking... This season has not been a great trend for that. I just worry if he turns into a normal good offensive guard, massive defensive liability in his mid-30s. Like if Yeah. The, like, I guess the, the, the case I was trying to make is like Damian Lillard could experience age-related decline in his age 33 season, but it's not a guarantee. Whereas I yeah. feel like some people were saying, yeah. oh, Damian Lillard's 33 now, therefore he will be much worse. Where I'm like, yeah, that could happen, but. Yeah, I, I still I still hold it as the most realistic scenario for like for just players to get a little bit worse in their things, but players defy that all the time. And no, yep. no one's career is predictable besides the fact that they will be, you know, retired before they turn 45 mm-hmm. and probably drop off at some point. We'll see about LeBron James, but. Well, LeBron James is, he's dropped off. It's just been gradual. So I went from having Jalen Brown to, let's like, let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll Recap. list the full teams, yep. but let's also talk about the biggest swings. Cause I went from Jalen Brown being a locked in reserve to now being off the team. Yep. I've got Porzingis <laughs> and Barnes in. Barnes and Trey are the wild cards, and Porzingis made it all the way up to reserve. And then try to think of whether I changed anything. Um, changed my mind in the West. I think I didn't change my mind on anyone, but 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 Chet ended up surprise making my team of that group. What were your biggest yeah. changes? Well, I'd swapped Ant Fox for Booker and Steph as as okay, reserve yeah. to wild card, basically. Right. So Ant Fox cool. are reserve. Booker Steph are wild card. And then in the East, I swapped Jalen Brown and Bam Adebayo reserved wild card because so, Bam, Bam is a better player than Jalen Brown, even though I wanted to reward Celtics. Yeah. So our full quickly reviewing our teams, we have the same lineup in the Eastern Conference. It is yep. Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt with Tatum Giannis and Embiid in the front court. Yep. Our backcourt or are the remaining like without going into which one was a wild card because we went into that our our guards were both were both Brunson Maxi and Trey yeah we both we had, had the same I had Trey as I'm cheating 13th player injury oh placement. yeah that, that's true that's true okay so you, so I had Trey you did not but Trey is is your first in line for an injury replacement and I and my my injury replacement is going to be Jalen Brown and then the front court we both agreed on. Jimmy, Bam, Porzingis, and Barnes. By the end, we really, we really came together and, and yep. convinced each other, uh, like in several different ways. So, the our only difference on those teams is is Trey and Jalen Brown. Cool. All right. In the West, both had Shea Luca, both had Jokic, both had Durant. I went Kawhi, and you went LeBron. Yep, for the starters, and then I had Kawhi, Davis, and Cat in the uh, and- reserves. And I had LeBron Davis and Sabo. I can't believe you put on Cat and I didn't. I guess I'm just like a self-hating Timberwolves fan. I just but well, Cat Cat is like you know he he doesn't have a clear weakness. No, it's a really good case. Sabonis he does, does even though yeah. Sabonis provides he's the second best big man playmaker in the NBA after 
after Jokic, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then in the backcourt, Anton Fox. I also had Anton Fox. Our wild card guard is Curry, and then I got Chet. Where in the other wild card spot where you have boring pick Booker. Booker, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all these guys deserve it. It's not like I like. I'm not saying Booker is not an all star. He definitely is. Booker's a, a monster. One of the best offensive players in the league is there any like no one's injured either in um in the west right now eh not currently yeah we'll see what yeah, so. we'll see what happens. it last few all-star games there's been like five injury replacements so you know we'll, yeah. we'll get some more guys in here but yeah but now now with this now with the all-star quali- sorry the all nba qualifier or like the awards qualifying minimum of 65 games like there's a couple, there's a couple guys well we'll see i mean there's a couple guys who already missed you know nine or ten games and we're not even technically halfway through the season so and Embiid is not going to be on any awards this year i'm sorry like i know we just talked about him as he's MVP just gonna miss too now. many games yeah he's 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 getting close you don't think the um, sixers are gonna put him out there for the first minute and then pull him near the end of the year just to just to make him qualify Oh, if he was at 64 games, sure. And to be honest, I would want a team to do that because I would hate to see a player who was deserving that was at like lose because of 60, lose because of one game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll take the whole season over one game if that's the matter. But if it's 62 games or 60 games, yeah, I'm not seeing it. And then so like the other guys we're talking about there is Donovan Mitchell's already missed 10 games. Devin Booker is already yep. is at nine games. Larry Markkinen, but that's now we're starting to get a little bit murkier. Bam has missed just kind of, nine games, hasn't he? Missed yeah, I think you're right. Bam, Bam and Jimmy are both are still in the twenties. Anyone Jim, in the <laughs> once they had the sixty-five game requirement, I just said, okay, Jimmy's not winning any more awards. Yeah, yeah, uh, those days are up. Uh, I would be, I'd be so like, like I mean, like like Durant and LeBron and Curry and Anthony Davis have yet to miss significant time. Yep, and there's like that's that's I like. Someone's and Kawhi. Kawhi hasn't missed specific like missed a ton of time either yep. yet. While the health lasts, I think you just gotta play when you're yeah. in that class of characters. Yeah. Kyrie is basically is almost already out. Yeah. Porzingis. Um but now we're starting to get out of like all NBA territory, right? So yeah. like Jamal Murray probably won't make an all NBA team unless he plays every other I don't know. He's he's already missed quite a few. After that, the names are probably yeah, anyways. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> We'll, Let's uh, wrap this podcast. We'll worry about Thank that you later. So- yeah, yeah. Another podcast episode for another day. Hopefully it's not talking about players who've missed time with injury. But uh, thanks so much for listening to everyone. Um, enjoy the uh, NBA All-Star ramp-up process because it's not like the game's actually that fun to watch anyways. But there yeah. is some drama in that maybe this year the NBA All-Star game won't suck. Point is, it's way more fun to pick them than it is to watch them. We're going, we're, we're going back for. to East versus West. So when it True. when it's broke, go back to what worked in the 1990s, I guess. Oh, and bring back the like the white white versus colored jerseys. That's that would yeah. be that would be thick as well. Yeah. So, I mean, just remember that picking them is more important than watching them play. And but most of all, please remember that ball is life. We'll see you next time.